What a powerful song. Worthy is the Lamb. And on this communion Sabbath, God looks upon you and He declares you worthy. Because your life is hidden with Christ and He's worthy. Therefore, as we come together for communion service, it's a time in which we are welcomed to come just as we are because God receives us with open arms because He is worthy and so are you. And as we prepare our hearts, we're just going to have a meditation on God's Word as we transition to the rest of our service. So would you bow your heads with me as we pause once more. Father in heaven, we just want to recognize that without you, we are nothing. Yes, without you, we're unworthy. But your grace, Lord, your grace, your amazing grace brings us to a place where we are loved and accepted and transformed and renewed and consecrated to you. And I pray, Lord, that that would be the experience of every single person here today. Speak, Lord. Speak to our hearts. We need to hear a word from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Before time itself was ever recorded, before the first male and a female of the human race were created, God, who is love, he knew that his own creation would disobey and sin. God knew. Yet it was predetermined that God, who is love, would step into our history to bring the only sacrifice that could redeem a fallen race from eternal death. And God, who is love, would suffer the penalty of hate, the penalty of sin. This salvation story is one that is so profound that we do good to remember what he did. It would be a risk, but love is worth the risk. And in the spring of AD 31, on a Roman cross, God, who is love, suffered everyone's pain all at once. You know, I've had my, my share of, I have my share of scars. There's, there's one here, there's one here, uh, there's one here. I have, I have more scars than the average person, I think. And with every scar, there's a story. A story of pain. Now, I know that I'm not the only one with scars here today. I wouldn't be surprised if nearly all of us, if not all of us, have some scar and a story of pain. And the reality is that you and I can sit down and share our scar stories and I'm sure we would hear some good ones. And as we share our scar stories, we would relate to each other's pain. 
I would say, bro, I know the feeling. I know the feeling. In fact, let me tell you my scar story, and we can relate. Oh, and we often say, I feel your pain. We say that, don't we? I feel your pain. But it's just an expression. Because the reality is that nobody can feel another's pain, really. Your pain is your own. Their pain is their own. Yes, you can relate, you can understand each other, but you only feel your own pain. Every single life that ever lived on planet Earth can feel their own pain. With one exception. His name was Jesus. And the individual miseries of humanity were added up one by one by one by one. And the gruesome sum fell on him. And he felt the pain of all our sins together at once. Hearts broken by the act of adultery and its pain. Cold-blooded murder and its pain. Emotional abuse and its pain. Racial injustice and its pain. The beheading of a hostage and its pain. The death of an unborn child and its pain. And the offenders... That's you and me, us. We were released from its penalty, having the option to accept his redeeming sacrifice. We were provided a way of escape. The option to take that way of escape. Not everyone's going to take it. But we have been given the way of escape. Thus providing a way of salvation. For those who believe. And all this was predetermined. All this was, was planned out before the events of Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. Come with me to that week of creation. And as you picture each day. Day 1, day 2, day 3, day 4, day 5, day 6. A plan of salvation had already been put in place before God spoke anything into existence. A way for sin to be taken away was devised before light dispelled the darkness. It was already planned out. A plan to separate evil from good was determined before waters were separated from the waters above. It was decided that the Son of Man would die on a tree before the creation of trees on the dry land. The day and year were determined before the creation of the sun and moon to rule the day and night. The lamb was slain before the creation of sheep. Mankind was loved before we loved him. And that's why, that's why millenniums later, we've assembled here today to remember the body that was broken and the blood that was shed so you and I could be released from the pain and consequence of our sin 
the offenders, us, the guilty ones. As we see the sinless, innocent Son of God on a tree, dying, breathing his last, so that you and I could walk away released from the penalty of sin. My friends, today, as we partake of this service, it not only consists of partaking of emblems that symbolizes the, the body of Christ and the blood of Christ, but at Seventh-day Adventist, we also celebrate, include, a service that is, yeah, it's, 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 it's personal. It's, it's something that that speaks to our hearts individually. It's called the service of humility. Others call it the foot washing service. And why do we do that? Why? I'll show you a passage where we get the fundamental reason of why we do a foot washing service. And it's found in John chapter 13. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to come to John chapter 13. What does the act of washing feet have to do with the cross? What does it have to do with the sacrifice that Jesus paid for us on the cross that was predetermined before the creation of the world? What does anything have to do with it? Well, in John chapter 13, we go straight to that moment when Jesus has washed their feet. And the disciples are, yes, they, they, they're, they're confused, no doubt. They're confused. And they have mixed emotions. They don't know exactly what to think of what just has happened. And in verse 13, it says, when he had washed their feet, taken his garments and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? We're about to get our answer of why we do it today. You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. If you do them. He spoke these words to those that call him teacher and Lord. And today, as we gather here together as Bible-believing worshipers of God, we've gathered here to worship Him. I, I want to believe that as we, as we have come to know Jesus, that we continue to sit at His feet as our teacher. Is He your teacher? Does He continue to teach you? In the Bible, He's referred to as a teacher and teaching more than any other thing on earth. That's what he spent most of his time doing. And do you think that that has changed? Not at all. Jesus continues to spend most of his time in your life teaching. He continues to teach you through the Holy Spirit. 
And if you're here today, I want to believe that you're here for the same reason that I am here today. And that's because Jesus is the Lord of my life. Is that why you're here today? He's my Lord. And He can be and is and will be the Lord of your life when you simply open the door and let Him come in and sit down with you. Not just for a Sabbath morning service, but He wants to have permanent residence in your heart. That's what it means for Him to be Lord. Does He have residence in you? So he speaks as he did in that upper room millenniums ago. He speaks the same way to those today who call him Lord and teacher. And and so for those that call him Lord and teacher, he's telling you, you ought to do what I just did. You ought to do what I just did to you. I'm going to go. I'm going to go back to my father, but you will remain on earth as my body on earth. And you will know, you will be known as my disciples if you have love for one another. Do this, do this, because that will guard your heart from wandering away. You see, the cross of Christ is the ultimate demonstration. You can't, you can't get greater than that. The cross is a demonstration of self-denying sacrifice on behalf of another. Ultimate. Top. You can't have a greater demonstration. Sinless Son of God. With the crown of thorns crushed on his head because of your perverted thoughts. His mind, his head was bruised. Scars on his hands. Why? Because of your acts of sin with those hands. Jesus took that pain upon himself. His feet nailed to the cross. Why? Because of the pain that resulted from the steps you took where you shouldn't have gone. And he took that pain upon his feet. He took it all ultimate demonstration and we today are sensitized to such a selfless act of service when we as those who call him Lord and teacher as we ourselves engage in an act of that tangibly literally demonstrates a Christ-like attitude of humility and a willingness to be reconciled. That's what the first watching service is all about. It, it, it takes a concept that we intellectually understand to love one another, to serve one another, to be humble. These are all concepts that are repeated. We know them, we understand them. But this, this practice turns it into a literal, tangible experience that engages our senses. My hands literally touch the feet of the one that I vow to humbly serve. 
My eyes literally behold the one I commit to love as a fellow brother, as a fellow sister. My ears literally hear the prayers of supplication on my behalf. And as our hearts are sensitized by this tangible, literal experience that that engages my senses and, and I come to be sensitized to the selfless sacrifice that Jesus paid for me, then we gather together and continue on having an experience that engages my, my taste and the smell as we come and partake of these emblems that point us to that selfless sacrifice. It all comes together in a total experience that God and God alone wants to have in your heart today. Why do we have communion? Because we need it. We must have it. And frankly, I cannot afford to bypass this moment. That's why I'm thankful I'm here. I'm praising God that you are here. And as we partake of this service, we're going to have areas where, uh, where it has been designated to be able to gather together, assemble together, to partake of this service of humility, this fruit washing service as, as disciples of Christ gathering together. Brethren, men are invited to go downstairs, down these stairs, towards the bottom and go to the bottom, um, the entrance foyer and go to the classroom that has been prepared for men. The ladies are invited to gather together in the fellowship hall where the chairs and basins have been prepared for you, ladies. And there's going to be a place for those that have that, that need, that impression, that, that desire to partake of this of this very symbolic service together as husband and wife. It's a family. You're welcome to partake of that in the fellowship hall as well on the other side of the hall. And I'll be honest with you. I'll be frank with you. While I do believe there is a place for husbands and wives to partake of this moment together, there is a place for that. I understand. At the same time, The reason we come together as the body of Christ is because it's this moment that the body of Christ reconciles and unites together as one. It's in the context of the body of Christ, brother with brother, sister with sister. And that's why we give you this opportunity to express that love, that humility to a brother and a sister in the body of Christ. And we're going to do that at this time. And, and as we are dismissed to go back, to go to these designated areas, our children are invited to stay for a special children's story. Sister Diane Crawford is going to be here. The children are going to be invited to come. And you're going to have a wonderful children's story while mom and dad or grandparents, guardians are partaking of the foot washing. And of course, for those that may choose to stay, this will be a place where God can continue to speak to your heart, to minister to you. His presence is here, and you're welcomed to just abide in his presence. 
Let the Lord guide your steps. He's prepared you for this moment. Let him guide your steps. So I'm going to have a word of prayer. We're going to dismiss. And then we'll be returning to the sanctuary soon after to continue with the partaking of the emblems as we remember the cross and what he did for us. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, Lord, today, make us servants. Make me a servant. Lord, we, we choose to humble ourselves in light of the cross. And we pray, Lord, the Holy Spirit would guide our steps, whether it's here or there. Your presence abides in this place. And I pray that all of us would sense the warm embrace, the arms of Jesus around each one of us. Thank you, Lord, for the sacrifice that you paid to give us a way of escape from sin. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Guide us, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.